Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash, the CEO of Booktopia, back with you again. And a brand new author, Sunil Kumar from the ground up. Seven principles for building a business fast. Welcome to the program, Sunil. Thank you, Tony. Thank you very much for having me. And congrats on your book, which I have in my hot little hand. I know everyone's listening to this, so they can't see the video, but um, it's a it's a nice size. You know, like it's not one of those bigger size ones. So when you when you have it in your hand, I'm just telling you, telling you, you listeners, that it's one of those ones. If you grabbed it for a plane trip, from say I don't know. Sydney to Melbourne, maybe you'd get through half of it, but it's one of those books where you feel like you're just going to get into it, and it's got it's got a great layout. Um, seven principles are easily um, presented. So, tell me, uh, Sunil, um, to building a business fast. Just give us a little bit of a background, like you know, you know like me, I was bankrupt um, um, over 20 years ago. So we know, and many of us who are in business know that you use those experiences to to perhaps um, never forget and and create kind of a baseline of what you, what you're going to do forward but tell us a bit about your background and how you have become to uh, become an author and an expert in this area beautiful thank you well that's a great first question Tony I think I'll take you a little behind uh, like uh, in, the, in the background I came to the country as a student I'm um, born and raised in India uh, when I finished my graduation so we always like education is a big deal in India. So we always look for, okay, what else I can do? So there was this opportunity presented and I came to Australia for studying master of professional accounting. So accounting, like mostly Indians are good with, with numbers. So, uh, you know, I thought, why not? So uh, when I landed here, obviously with uh, about $1,200 in my pocket, uh, as most of other student immigrants who comes to this country, uh, it's beautiful country. I mean, altogether what we experience here. So uh, that's where we started. And the first job was door-to-door -door marketing while I'm studying accounting, then selling to the businesses. And really then I was um, sort of a regional uh, kind of um, manager for uh, Telstra where I was going to regional areas and trying to convert businesses back to Telstra. So once I finished my studies, I got my permanent residency, which was a big deal. Trust How me. long ago was that, Sunil? That was in uh, 2007, uh, 2000, yes, 2007, I was, uh, after two and a half years of studying, I, I came in 2004. And if some of the my um, migrates or student migrates friend listening to this, they will relate with this story very much because getting the permanent residency is the biggest thing. You know, I know the, the book writing can be the biggest, but trust me, getting the permanent residency of this beautiful country is the most significant thing, um, you know, or most significant event in my life uh, so far. So uh, getting that and then say, what, what else now? So then I, I seen as a progression in real estate, you know, so I seen, okay, um, from my experience for customer service now, I now then I start working in real estate in the Bay Area, in the Western suburb of Melbourne, and then uh, getting a good experience of two and a half, three years there. Um, the, the company was was very limited what they could offer uh, to their employees. So I sort of apart from there in 2011, we started from the scratch um, called Reliance Real Estate. So it is now 10 years in making and we've been um, fastest growing real estate, you know, um, real estate company three years out of those 10 years on AFR, um, being the fastest eighth, fastest eighth, tenth grown company. And the first time was fastest 43rd. Um, so, and won many awards, uh, the team of 140 plus, 144 to be exact. And we do roughly about 1500 sales, manage over 3000 rental properties, um, you know, and, and then an amazing, amazing workplace, um, you know, to get the team along and doing their life's best work. Wow, you've really come a long way. So three times making the the AFR Fast 100. Uh, you know, I've told you before we came on air that I've set the benchmark there. Well, Booktopia has definitely, it. definitely, yeah, eight, um, you know, <laughs> eight times we've made it. We we would have made it nine, but because I did a lot of public speaking and told people that it's always great to get the awards because you put them on the website and then people know that you're actually a reputable company. So I told too many people and more people applied and we got bumped out to, I think, 110. <laughs> so we, we would have been nine times, but uh, at least it you know, proves that these things work. So, okay, so you, you came from, from uh, you know, quite a common story. I mean, other than the First Nations people were all immigrants um, and, and rightly so, I'd like to just reemphasize that. So we've all arrived in this beautiful 
land, um, either either our parents, grandparents, or ancestors. So when you came here from India, um, did you? Because India is such a colourful, um, vibrant, I mean, crazy country. Not to say that I've been there, but I've many I've got a lot of close Indian friends, and I I know uh, I'm I'm desperate to go one day for sure. But like when you came to Australia, did you feel like it was the land of opportunity? Did you feel like um, that you know, people, if you just worked hard, tried hard, was there some sort of ingredient that gave you, you know, you know the, these Aussie, I won't say, I, well, I'm going to say Aussie bludgers, but you know what I mean? Like you just have to work a little bit harder than everyone else and you can get ahead. Did you notice that or was, or did it? Yeah, did it, uh, very it truly. Uh, the very first thing I noticed is once I arrived the country in 2026th uh, of August in 2004, uh, it's felt like a home it's felt like you have arrived like you know this is a place uh, you know literally i never had a second thought not even for a minute you know said so this is where i want to live uh, my life and do my work but at the same time the, the background we come from um, you know education uh, in competition in education back home in india because that's a big thing you know uh, from earlyhood so we were kind of prepared uh, to study well or work hard at the same time and we have that kind of ethic we come with you know in in the in the content of things but when we arrived here obviously the language was a bit of a challenge uh, but apart from that it was definitely you could feel there was some good good opportunities and you know if you do it consistently hard work and do the right thing that was the most important uh, which seems to be some of our fellow uh, immigrants or the the normal um, or uh, people here try to forget doing the right thing because in the long run that will count at a big time you know you can be successful by the shortcut or doing uh, some things not uh, like maybe we can call it dozy but they will bite you back at that stage where you are um, at the moment tony you will exactly understand what i mean by that you know you can't be outspoken you can't be writing books or speaking as you do uh, keynote speaking and going even afr if you have done some things which is not perfectly um, legal along the line so i always made sure i do the right thing by um, by my surrounding by the people who works with me or my clients you know and that has been a really fundamental of this growth what we have so far mm. but coming to australia i just want to digress for a second because i know family is so important to indians and uh, culture and just the, the the normal way of kind of existing how did your parents um take to you coming to australia or did they they put you on the plane and said get over there and and you're eating you're eating us out of house and home like how, how did that how did you manage that look uh, i think uh, uh, it was a very well informed decision by the family and you very right especially with the kids and your education securing their future is a big thing for uh, for all the parents but especially back home in india is it's a massive thing so they they could see um, you know where i'm heading like it could be uh, like brighter um, and uh, you know we could have a better lifestyle here and so it was very informed decision and obviously my mom especially as you imagine will very emotional uh, at least for five six months he couldn't settle um improperly but then slowly understood and obviously now um see she's with us and live with us here um so oh, it was very okay, well so informed um, decision in that way oh nice oh that's good so so um you've you've written a book um is this your first book um yeah you can say the first i wrote a first book it's uh, it's about my profession it's called sold uh, which was just five principle to get the best price for your property so you know officially it's a second book right so when you think back to school and your teachers your english teachers are they going sunil write a write a book you know or of course sunil wrote a book like are they would they be scratching their heads going i can't yeah. believe he even could write you know put a paragraph together yeah 100% that will be the reaction because uh, one of the thing is english is our second language right and uh, you know i didn't study english from my first grade i start studying english from 6th i born in a very small village yeah, where around 450 500 people and everyone knows everyone and there's a small school like school there so from 6th class i was trying to learn a b c d like you know and by the time your mind is developed it was the hardest thing ever that's why english been a bit of a challenge there but um, you know that's definitely the reaction from uh, people from my village or whoever is hearing from there but one thing is they sort of knew like you know this guy is serious he's 
is sincere and hardworking and sort of always on a learning path, you know. Um, and I like to share a story. And actually, it's all happened uh, when in 2000, year 2000, when I'm in my graduation, I picked up this book called You Can Win. And I remember paying 150 rupees for it, you know, at the Booktopia wasn't there. You just go uh, and, and buy it from the from the shop and always keeping an eye on that book. Um, you know, it was um, the, the writer Steve Kera is from US, I think, from Indian origin. And I read that book like a Bible that has a seven principle of success, you know, and that's page by page. I still remember most of it um, as it is and I start following by that. And since that day, I think my reading journey has been about 20 years now. Um, there's hardly a, a few days go by where I don't read. And in last five years, there's hardly a day by where I don't read. Um, you know, it could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, some days half an hour. But this is, you know, more important than even eating a food for me mm -hmm. uh, to keep my mind up and uh, positive state. Can I ask you, just deviating a little from the, from the topic, but I just want to, I think it's, it's a nice insight or a delicate insight if, if you if you could if you could um, bear the question the over the years in melbourne and you've been in melbourne um there's been some really embarrassing and um i would all i would say you know possibly from my perspective shameful kind of incidences in particular with indian um students and people you know racism or just stupid stupid you know small-minded thinking um where where indian men and women students have been at victims do, i mean you, you've been there during that period do you feel like we're getting better do you feel like australia is assimilating a little more now do you feel you feel like we're you know since you got here say almost 20 years ago 17 years ago um that things have kind of improved or is it still quite you know there's, there's a lot of judgment um I, I really worry about that yeah now I, I understand where you're coming from uh tony and that definitely that's a bit of a, a concern it was basically when those incidents become public and you do face that one i think um, as you rightly said the small-minded people you know and they're only handful of them like you don't uh, you can't even count them on the hand, you know, properly if you, uh, but, but to tell you the truth, uh, yes, I'm sure uh, I have experience, like especially I was door knocking, you know, and in door knocking, you get abuse, but at the same time, I hardly experiencing, experience the racism. Yes, it has been there. It's undercover. I think we all, you know, um, I was reading this book called um, um, Think Like a Monk, and it's talk about ego. It's not to do like with it is our mindset, it is our subconscious brain, or however, it's our ego who try to separate two people from like, you know, we separate Oh, he's Indian or he's old, I'm young, or I'm best suited or my hair is this. So it, it is our mindset of the, you know, unconscious mind. But if you ask me about the, those racism, yes, it's sad to see that. But at the same time, you know, if I go back in, in my own country, we are the, um, I think that, that, that is there hugely. So we have experience there because in my village, um, you know, I, I, I uh, born or, um, you know, lucky enough to born in one of that higher caste, the caste system. So if you experience that, Tony, the one you experience here is almost nothing, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, like I supposed to be treated well, like my grandfather was a, a rich man and all that, you know, but, um, you know, but at, at, at the education level and then, from there, you really want to differentiate yourself. You want to treat everyone equal. So I never really, um, when it happens, yes, it's sad to see that, but I see beyond it. I see slightly beyond it. And, you know, um, but uh, you don't want to blame for 3% of the people for 97%. So I really believe in those 97%. That's a great, that's a great. Thank you for sharing that because it's like, you want to, for most of us, as you say, 97%, 95 98 whatever the number is Somebody. it's like when everyone is mostly um in favor rooting for a willing for an equal society where everyone has has an equal go men and women from doesn't matter what background yeah. um it's just it's just interesting to see that so when when you now getting back to your book seven principles for building a business fast from the ground up um when when you think about um 
the ingredients of your mindset in terms of how you approach things um, in difference to perhaps some of your employees. You've got a lot of people working for you. Um, is it something that you feel is, is just innate within you that it's a natural or is, is it a learned, like, can you re really learn those skills or is it like you look at some of your team members and you go, they'll never be able to embrace your seven principles and, but those ones will, how do, how do you, I mean, how do you very good that? question. Very good question, Tony. And I think I am understanding where you're coming from. And I opened the book here where it's called um, the, the principle uh, three, a true leader. And what it says here, actually, on the second line itself is um, everything is a skill. Everything is a skill. Even happiness is a skill. You can develop a skill of being happy despite your circumstances. The more you think about, the more you will see the possibility of acquiring all the skill you need. No one is a born leader, athlete, scientist, doctor, or entrepreneur. So this is exactly answering your question here. And it's a very good question. And yes, but despite that, you have some team members you can see, okay, if the progressing right, right values, treating the clients right, help like good team players within their um, own uh, office or within their own surrounding, um, they are the natural kind of team player and the, the leaders in their own ways. Um, but, but they also have to learn or some skills to be a better person or a better leader. You know, and others where uh, the people who don't have the right um, kind of learnable or teachable mentality, they are the one who struggle a bit more. Because uh, what I see, and I'm sure Tony, you um, um, must be agreeing with me here. Some people you spoken to five years ago and two years ago and today, they still sound the same. Because they, they are the same, they haven't grown themselves, they hasn't really uplifted their thinking. They were exactly what they were five years ago and what they are today but in now in our world especially in the business world or a customer service world things are changing you know very rapidly now so we need to um, uh, adapt those situations but i think just to answer your question again here it's most what i see the you know if somebody is teachable and with the right attitude you can teach them everything you know you can and that's what we when we hire people we hire fresh people. We don't hire people who have a five years experience in real estate because if the learnable, they have drive and willing to learn, we, we have a system. We put them in a system, train them well, give them a long-term vision, and they really go along that way. And that's why we have a great culture because we haven't brought anyone from outside and say, okay, there are these 140 people, let's work together. It started with one, two, four, right values, right culture, and sort of helping each other, you know? So if, if their mindset is right, then we can teach them and they go long way. So everything is a skill. It's teachable, it's learnable. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it was a bit of a leading question, I must admit, but it's good to hear your perspective on it because for me, I'm the same. It's like a sport or it's like any kind of skill, cooking, um, learning how to do fly fishing or whatever it is that you, you're starting off as a beginner and then mastering that skill, absolutely. Now. And when I open your book, I can see this. You've got some very nice uh, quotes from people. John McGrath in, from John McGrath Real Estate. Jack DeLosa from The Entourage, who I know. Michael Sheargold, who are, I know. Actually, our paths haven't crossed in 20 years, but I do know him. So you've, you've, got, some, you've got some fans in terms of, in terms of um, some of the acknowledgements here. And when I go to the, uh, the table of contents to give those that are listening um, some, some idea, you, I never like to give too much away. I want people to buy the book, whether it's yeah. from Bitopia or from some bookshop or whoever, it doesn't matter. You know, buy the book. That's why we're here. Sunil Kumar, the, from the ground up, seven principles for building a business fast. Now, you got seven principles and you talked about the third one, be a true leader. Do, do you feel when you kind of grab the book, is it something that you've got to work your way through from the beginning to the end? Like it really is a kind of a workbook or do you just kind of meditate for a second, think like a monk, and then open it up on the page and go, that is what I needed to know today. Like, tell us a little bit about how your book is going to work. I exactly do the second one in with few of my books, like the next to my uh, bedside or something. You know, I said, I'll open up anywhere and depending on the mindset. But this particular book is, you got to read it from the front, uh, you know. Um, that will really um, give you a bit of perspective because 
Sunil Kumar is not a known name, you know, I'm the ordinary everyday guy. Um, like, so you need to know where he come from, a little bit of a story of that. And, and if you uh, read it, the very first, I think the most engaging part of the book is the where it started, uh, the very first um, uh, introduction, where, um, you know, as you mentioned about, uh, about yourself, and you've been not shy enough, um, not shy to saying you've been uh, bankrupt before uh, Bookatopia. I started from a lowest um, uh, point when February 23rd, uh, 2013, I wake up still in my suit. My jacket and trouser were crushed under me and my hair was stuck to my forehead. My health, my head felt heavy. So it is the story it's building up from there. Like from the lowest point, I was on the ground after argument with my business partner. We're breaking up in this thing and on the ground. And he said, this thing will never work. We'll sell this thing, you know, and you go your own way. I do my own things and along those lines. So it's built it up from there. Then it's also talk about how I come to uh, Australia, what I studied and the background, it's built it up and some of those principles. So I think it's best if you read it from the front and then it's like maybe a chapter a day or something. Vision is a great chapter where you can really um, set the vision or goal for your own life from three years, five years, one year and 10 years down the track. Because one of the quotation I believe in, especially in the vision chapter, we underestimate what we can achieve in five years and overestimate what we achieve in one year, right? Most of us mentally, if you don't write it down, don't have the right vision or written vision, sorry, then that's what we uh, overestimate, you know? So I think it's got to read from the front uh, more towards the, mm. that way. And, and so some of them like your vision, uh, the people, leadership, the culture, execution, marketing, growth, like when, if you think about the best recipient for a book like this, cause it's about, it's about building a business fast. So is that, is it really written just for business owners or if you were a real estate agent working within a business and you're kind of, you got your own territory. So therefore, is it as applicable for somebody who is a salesperson or even not even in, there could be an IT developer, there could be a nurse, there could be a variety of like, is it, yep. or is it really just for the business owner? No, I think um, uh, what we're using the word is business owners, but most importantly, professionals, professionals of any type that could be nurse, that could be IT consultant, that could be accountant, um, or that could be anyone, you know, first of all, um, um, you know, this is a, a good story of someone who was doing the right thing. And it is a story of a team, not actually one person. So it is also setting some of those principles. Even I talk about in the book, like you could have a team of five, but your culture, you know, how happy your clients are, you know, how happy your environment is, that's equal to the fulfilling life, fulfilled life, you know, you don't, and, and, and you don't want to maybe have a headache, because the more people, the more work, the more, um, you know, you could have your five people running a cafe even, but that's going to be a nice environment, you come, you feel happy, your team feel um, happy in the environment, your clients feel look after, that is equal to the most successful thing. You know, um, you know, I can imagine. So this is what he talked about as well. How even you can have your environment, how even with the smaller team, you can share your vision and, and create a shared vision. I normally talk about that. So it is for each and every one of those professionals who wants to enhance something. And most importantly, Tony, I think as we discussed before, this is also a bit of a story. You know, I'm not saying uh, I'm something special. I'm the, the most ordinary guy you can, uh, you can meet. But at the same time, when you, like for me, when I read things like that, like at the moment, you know, this is my Bible, the, the Robin Sharma's book, my Bible. I'm reading it page he's by got, page. He's got the Everyday Hero Manifesto, just as an yes. FYI, everyone. Yes. Yeah. Everyday Hero, like um, I love Robin Sharma. He's, he's my guru. He doesn't know it, but he is. <laughs> so in, 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 in a way, you're just holding a story, a, what is possible? What could be possible for someone whose English is second language and just doing the right thing? You know, I normally say that the good stories need to be told, Tony. So this is a good story. Um, you know, you have like in the social media nowadays, a lot of fake stuff happening out there. You know, people who's just trying to influence and, and even our next generation, your current generation getting influenced by a lot of show off. But this is a simple steps of someone who's do the right thing and can that can lead a discipline can lead to a, um, an exceptional future. Can I ask now a little bit more of your um, professional um, experience? You've obviously been riding the great wave of real estate that's been 
going on over the last few years. E-commerce, as an FYI, has been doing pretty well. The pandemic has certainly um, put a, a rocket ship on on e-commerce, not just with Booktopia, but right across the country, right across the planet, actually. Um, so w- when you think about real estate and you think about if the bubble burst um, or, um, and not to say that it will, but it could, like yep. it has happened before. Um, h- how are you going about thinking about future-proofing your business uh, for if there was a downturn? Um, uh, are, are you expecting one to happen um, or is it going to continue to go up and up? up is the price of property getting more and more um, uh, out of reach of, of young people who are leaving school, starting, leaving uni, starting a career? And is it like, is it literally getting, going to get out of reach? Yeah. What, what yeah. Are your, what's your expert opinion on that? I think the first of all, if you talk about the market, I think, look, uh, what is happening in the last six months, nobody's have predicted it. You know, the, even the, the, the biggest predictor who were saying the market was going to drop by 20% Commonwealth Bank and RBA and all that. And it didn't happen that way because the, the interest rate is pretty low. Even government has done an amazing job in terms of supporting a businesses uh, along those lines. And, um, you know, the property, uh, the, you know, industry is, is on the rise because of many other things as well. So I think it has to slow down. I think it will slow down in early to mid next year. I don't know whether it's going to burst if the government or if the, the country keep doing the right thing, like we need more immigrants, like we need more migration, which has stopped and some other ways of generating more revenue, uh, revenues. I think it will steadily keep going, but at some stage it will, it will has to be steady. Like 17 or 22% growth in last six to eight months, that is not sustainable. It is not at all. And I, you know, we are in the area where we used to sell first home owners market, $450,000, you buy four bedroom, two bathroom, nice block of land, you know, happy days. But now the same thing is, is $650,000, is hardly. And, and that, so income gap and the housing affordability, there is a gap there. So it has to slow down. It will slow down. And the, I think government has taken a couple of steps already to stop the investors and, and along those lines. But at the same time, the, the, the housing price had gone up. So a lot of people have equity in their houses. So they got more buying power. That's there, you know? Mm. So I think early to mid next year, it will slow down and it may be stagnant, you know, for, for, for some time. And it may drop few, uh, like, you know, three to 5% um, along the line, but that won't make much of the difference because we already grown that much, you know? So that's the first thing. The second thing in terms of future proofing the business, the most important part, Tony, come here is, um, is about the training, is about how the team, how professional are they, you know, like, you know, the market can slow down, but people still need to sell and buy, you know, what happened is in this market, what we're seeing, everyone is making a transaction, everyone is selling houses, you know, like agents or uh, what we call, but what we classify ourselves is a training and development organization, you know, at the moment, time is good, like we we selling a lot of properties, but at the same time, when it's slowed down, it is the one with the skill, with the right trained, right mindset, who have tapped their customer service to the highest are the one who's going to do the business. We have seen, even on the lockdown, when nobody was selling, like, you know, our competition was struggling, we were still doing transactions, selling online homes because we built that reputation, you know, like Bookatopia. If I order, and I told you, I'm a big fan of Bookatopia, you know, even I find like from a competitor, but I just... Simply, uh, even before meeting you, I just buy from Bookatopia because it's local. I know my del- it's going to get delivered to me more quicker than anyone else, you know. So that is a reputation you have. We kind try to keep the similar kind of reputation with our clients, with our customer. We've been here 10 years. We fastest growing. We are the home of most professional agents. And that's what stick out. When the time is tough, when you just, if you need to sell your uh, uh, property now, you can say, all right, market is good you're not going to be very concerned. But when the market is down, you're going to think who is the right person who can sell and get me the most price. And that's where we come in play. You know, that's the future proofing. That's yeah. the, so we haven't dropped our customer service in this time. So we'll continue doing well, even in that time. The transition may drop a little, like lesser transaction, but we, we haven't seen it. Uh, like, you know, we still stayed above our competition in the, because we trained like this morning, we had an hour and a half training with all our sales team, how to conduct the right auction, you know, how to take the extra steps. So training is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. When, when you first started out um, or restarted out, 
So you started in 2007 in real estate, right? Um, yeah, 2000, late 2007, yes. Right, and then in 2013, you were... 11, looking... we, we started Reliance. We started, I started Reliance in 2011. 11, oh yeah, 10 years. So then, and then your partner said, um, we're at rock bottom and it was just, you know, it was just the, the getting going stage. It's from my perspective, it's like being a rocket ship um, getting out of the gravitational pull of the earth. You need the very biggest rocket in the beginning to, to get going. And then you can start dropping them off and, and you, you find that you're on your way. When did, when did you start to feel like you were, you were getting out of the gravitational pull of the business kind of stopping after that second, that second wave? How long did it take? Look, very good question. Uh, 2013, uh, we were at the rock bottom, even on the under the ground. I mean, owning money and and uh, you know didn't had enough to pay. But when I split from or we, you know, I bought my partner out, and that was the thing. When he says, you know, um, um, he was out, we paid him. That was the biggest freedom. It took me at least two years from there of a daily work, just committed work from eight to seven in the evening, doing everything possible. Then slowly, uh, I got a couple of people on along those lines happen. And then, um, you know, uh, in about 2000, I think it took me literally two and a half years from there where I felt like, oh, it's at, at if I like have a relaxed moment in the day or relaxed hour or longer lunch, I feel okay, you know, because the team is there who been training with me and with my team and there was good culture, they helping each other. So I could step out for a little moment and breathe. You know, but now it is at that stage, Tony, if I like if I go away for a 15 days or 20 days or even a month, the business do better, <laughs> not because I'm stopping it, just because of the kind of environment, the kind of culture we created, and they go along very well, it's it's hardly it's matter if I'm around, I'm helping and, and but, but for the short time, it doesn't really matter if I'm still around because it's his own sort of auto or pilot mode where every most team members knows what they need to be doing on a daily basis and we are in smaller teams on a different locations so they keep on doing their work so it took a two and a half years really and 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 from there we sort of kept on growing so you you training and and developing your team is now the the bread and butter of your business as you said you're you see yourself as a training and development company when True. did that when, I mean, you would have been training as soon as you brought on people, you would have been training. I know what that feels like, but when did you start to formalize your L and D programs? So when people came on board, they were, they were joining you because they saw Reliance's, um, you got to go to Reliance because they have a proper real estate L and D program. You, you must go like, so when did, when did that, um, when did those systems and processes start to, uh, have a, you know, have a, an identity of their own? I think 2017 and 18. Um, so after when we almost went broke, so I think four years from there, it was all verbal, like all the the handling, and then we start documenting a bit, um, and also it starts seeing by the by the others who were uh, aspirants or who were wanting to join this year. If you join with this organization, like the people who joined here, they've been limited for three, four, five years. But if you join this company, they are growing, they're teaching their thing, new things, a good culture. That is where I think it start coming up. And now we have a document like, you know, we do our onboarding process, onboarding uh, to a new team member, especially in the sales and rent that goes on for 12 weeks. So every week they have a set of activities, they learn, then they perform and then they teach them, you know. Um, so now it's bit, even, even this year, we have onboarded about 44 people you know, and they all went through a proper training and development that that program, and they come out, you know, other side of that more confident and professional to deal with the clients. So in fact, next, sorry. Yes, yeah, so you've just uh, triggered something in me, I really want to know the answer to this, because Melbourne has been mostly in lockdown, right? So you guys um, have been really thrown a, a curveball through the last couple of years, 260 odd days of, of lockdown, of accumulated lockdown, they said on the radio this morning, something like that. Um, have you learned, like, has the has Reliance and you, or has the real estate industry learned some new ways of selling, or that will never, like, you'll never go back because it's all of a sudden the rest of us have have embraced 
technology in a certain way that you can actually close a deal you can do an auction you can you can do 3d virtual tours like what what has happened in for yeah. you in real estate the one thing as you said um, just before the uh, start of the uh, our interview or discussion today about advancing so what happened is it's actually advanced real estate industry as well the one of the thing is i'm a pen and paper guy you know um, you know the one thing is we're doing i think we almost 80 percent now paperless one of the projects we took is going paperless by all of our uh, team members. And that's huge. We wouldn't have been able to do it if we in an activity, uh, you know, or maybe it took us two, three years, but now it's almost done. The second one is like these interactions, you know, um, we wouldn't be seeing like, uh, you know, we, within our own team, like we had a training session of about 62 team members this morning and nobody has to move the chair. Everyone was like this. Yes, it may be not that effective once you face to face, you come along, but it's still it percent effective i think but how much time you saving 62 people i think will saving about 62 hours really driving them they finish the session and straight into their job so there is a huge advancement in technology on and um the we never thought people buy properties uh, without looking but when it's come to it they bought it we did actually 30 percent transactions what we were doing like in terms of a sales rental was completely fine people have a look at the 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 house we we, we created those um, uh, videos and they said all right i'm putting an application i'm in as soon as you get me in you know but with sale it was a little more challenging we have to go more in a detail we had to do a bit of a building inspections you know prepare and advance but they still bought it you know mm. again the brand was um, i think we came out of the lockdown more stronger and better than what we went into it again yeah. what we did is the twice a week we had the um, the team meetings in terms of discussion, who's, what is working, what is not working, how we can improve on our database, on our customer service, and more towards the end of the week, we kept it some sort of um, uh, online uh, celebration or a fun celebration that's keep the team engaged. So it has been challenging in many ways, but at the same time, online auctions, like last weekend, we had six auctions, online auctions, and we sold five properties out of that. You know, they inspected the property people one by one, but online auction and it, it's very transparent, like 12 people online here, three of them bidding, everyone can see. You so know, would you do that so, now? Would you continue yes. with an online auction moving forward? Was there any need to go back to having one back in the home? Look, we will do the, uh, we bring back to our, our auction on the street because that's have some added benefit to it. But at the same time, we will keep half and half, I think you know, online auction because it's very transparent system. People can see it. Although we do it on the street, but we still run them on online, you know, yeah, you can do so both. like you sitting there, you can buy a property from there itself and you can see the right actions happening there. Mm. So it's really advanced us in that level. Yeah, I agree. So, um, so going back to the book from the ground up, Sunil, Sunil uh, Kumar, seven principles for building a business fast. When you think about your book, Sunil, and you think about what we've talked about today, is there anything that perhaps we haven't covered off that the listeners might want to um, ponder about? You know, maybe they're thinking they might want to buy it um, or even just be inspired to, to um, just to get up and get going, even if they don't even read it, which is kind of like what you're saying is that um, you want them, to, you want them to, to, to get in motion and, and make things happen. So Anything that you look, I think uh, one thing is is really, um, you know, um, the, the introduction of the book is, is uh, you know, and I know I wrote it. It took me four and a half years of my sweat and tears, you know, um, to write this book. But I think introduction and if, if, if somebody read one chapter, like just say uh, the true leaders chapter, even in your we all are leaders i i very strongly believe in our own rights you know we, we're leading our family we're lead, leading uh, our colleagues somewhere and we all are leaders so if you read that chapter only one chapter your money will be worthwhile because i think i poured pour all my learning all my heart all my 20 years of learning and uh, uh, implementing into this chapter it just it ch chapter itself so i think that is the that is the strongest thing um, you know, I feel, and just by reading one chapter, everyone will say, you know, my value is many times more uh, worth it just to mm -hmm. buy this book. <laughs> so I think we, um, I think everyone's waiting for me to ask the most important question of all, you know, who's the best cricketer of all time, Don Bradman or Sachin Tendulkar? Sachin Tendulkar. Uh -huh. I, I thought him. you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> we love him. I mean, he's, he's a go-to us. Um, yeah, you know, Sachin yeah. And not only, um, look, I don't know the uh, Bradman, obviously, 
Sachin um, graded him the top top um, you know batsman ever, and I think he was. Uh, but at the same time, Sachin has been we grown up seeing Sachin, and he's such a amazing human being. You know, more important than anything else, he never um, you know put like any wrong ads on the TV. Although he couldn't make millions of dollar, like he kept all his integrity and uh, you know as humanity top of everything else. You know, so and that's why we love him for that very reason. But John Brad, I think Bradman, nobody can compete with him. But for us, because we've seen uh, Sachin and I still see his videos. And I think, and also the day he's retired, my passion for like, you know, watching and playing cricket slowly depleting from yeah. that very day. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I'm a huge cricket fan. I love watching Sachin and quite, and quite frankly, many Indian players. But now that you're, you're a, a true blue Aussie, when India plays Australia, like, are you, do you have to wear like a, a strip with one color? Like, do you, or, or is it, you can't take the Indian out of the uh, Look, of I think uh, one thing I say, Tony, normally is uh, um, anything else. I'm Australian, like a fully, you know, 100%. But when it comes to cricket, I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I am still favoring India. Like India was here. The, the greatest test match you must have heard and watched it in the GABA and happened in Sydney. Amazing to watch. Um, you know, so I think you know, we were like by every ball, I was for, you know, obviously we're an Indian side on yeah. the cricket only. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's good to have those um those connections with the two countries. Um True. so and I think so, we have a great future. Uh we have a uh, as two two big nations like Australia and India now, like you know, I think yeah, they're building up in a great partnership uh for uh, for years to come. Mm. Well they saying some people are saying that India is the next um the next superpower um in beyond the usa and china um over the next uh, 20 to 30 years so we should all pay attention to what's going on in india because there's there's a huge change and and um and i, I look forward to to seeing that so we've come to the part of the program where i i throw the microphone over to the guest and you get to ask me and given um your business is around building businesses um, quickly. Booktopia has certainly done that. We did that um, off a $10 a day budget. There was no funding from outside. We just had to sell more books and, and continue to, to grow, particularly in an industry that uh, most people were saying bookshops are dead, the book is dead, uh, Amazon's going to annihilate you. So um, I think what I, the purpose of, of doing this is if, if there's any um, anyone listening to this who is thinking about the kind of question that Sunil is going to ask me. Maybe take that question on for yourself, because if he's asking me of that, then you know what's your answer? I'll give you my answer, but what's your answer? I think that's I think that's really. Um, so let's throw over to you. What what did you want to ask me today? Look, um, Tony, I tell you honestly, I can go much longer than what you've gone with me because I'm so curious uh, to know, um, you know, about your journey. And as I told you, I, I am part of the, we are sort of on a common platform there with Ontraj. And I was looking forward to listening to you uh, on the interview there, um, you know, but now I have a privilege to ask you. So if you can quickly just like, you know, uh, explain your early day struggle for the first, uh, first of my question is, what were some of your early day struggle? Um, you know, when you're trying to build the Bookatopia and how you overcome them, just a couple of them. Um, so we were lucky in the beginning because we had an internet marketing, a digital marketing um, agency where we were consulting for other companies. Um, and, and so there was money coming through. So I'm in business um, with my brother and my sister, and my brother-in-law, my brother's retired now, but in those days, that's how it was. Uh, so money was coming through there and Booktopia, I just worked on on it from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. every night, building oh. building Google ads. Uh, we used another company to manage the website and fulfill the orders for the first three years. So we got to a couple of million in revenue um, as a little side project. And that's when we decided to, to build our own site and do our own fulfillment. We still continued to do the digital marketing for a further two years where we finally got to a point and the revenue must have been uh, maybe about um, seven or eight million, and there was enough coming through that we could drop everything else and pay ourselves out of the book business. Um, so, so there was a lovely transition there. Before the, this is the interesting part though. Before the digital marketing business, we had a 
an internet software business. And there was a huge dot-com boom in the, in the late 1990s. And there was a huge crash in the dot-com crash in the early 2000s. And we got caught up in that and our business was going to go under. We were not making enough money. We had too many expenses. We were sitting around the table. Maybe we have to go and get permanent jobs again because we can't even pay ourselves um, a salary. And now we've got families, young families. So it was at that time when I asked a, a, um, a web designer, Google had been going for a few years and it was getting more popular. And I asked, how do you get to the top of Google? Yeah. And so, so it was, um, it took me a couple of months and we got to the top of Google for chat software and live help, which was the software that we had, um, we were focused on. And, and it was a conversation with a lady about getting her to use chat software. She said, look, I'd love to chat to people. I just need more people coming to my website. And so I, I said, I can get you to the top of Google. And she said, give me a proposal. So I gave her one for $500 and I did the job and she was really happy. Anyway, uh, we, was, we were in such dire straits and I was talking to the largest independent car rental company in New Zealand about getting them to use our chat software and a similar conversation occurred. And it was like, um, um, love to chat to people, need more people coming to my website. I can get you to the top of Google. Why don't you give me a proposal? So instead of putting a proposal in for $500, I put one in for 18,000. Oh. And I spoke to the guy for an hour on the phone about all the things we we're going to do with his website and driving traffic and improving his business. And at the end of the hour, he said, all right, let's do it. So, <laughs> so I put down the phone. I looked at my family. And I said, man, we're in big trouble now. We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> but from daylight to midnight, we just learned the art of driving traffic into websites. Oh. So when, when you ask me about the struggles, um, it's about, it's about always looking to the opportunity and, and chasing down the cash, smelling where, the, where someone is going to actually hand over money. Now, if I was so dogged about wanting to do the chat software because that's what we started and that's what we're going to do because we, that's, what we, that's what our vision was, that's what we were committed to, right? Without having the, uh, the flexibility, the ability to, to adapt like a chameleon in the situation to go, well, hold on a second, but someone's happy to pay me money for this. Yep. Then we were able to quickly pivot and we were able to let go and grab the other. So I think that skill in being able to let go of something, even to, even today, a yep. business that we might be or a division or an idea, or you let it go. You may have spent a few hundred thousand, a million, two million dollars on it, but if you let it go, then it creates a vacuum for something else to to come in and, and take over. So I think I think um, that's a that's a skill. The whole thing about these things where you're reading your books, right? This is a very important thing. It's kind of a tangent now, but the most important thing for me to say is that I've, I've done a lot of workshops over the years, not so much in the last 10 years. I've used my business uh -huh. as a workshop environment to learn, but before then, a lot of work. And I listen to books. So I'm not a big reader. I will listen to a lot of audio books because of my ADHD. Um, uh, I, I don't have the, the concentration to sit and, and read. Um, but the key is, is in the moment with whatever's going on, it's your automatic reaction that you is all you have available to you. So when something happens, it doesn't work out the way that you want, or you had a good conversation with a client, or you closed the deal in a certain way, which you'd never done before. And that was really sweet. And you remember that like, so you start to compile this autom this automatic intuition in your gut and into your thinking and so you can you can live on you know you know stand on your feet and and yep. respond automatically. So the key is to constantly be um, critiquing and thinking about what happened and to deconstruct it and go. Oh, I learned a little something there, or or could have done that better. Not beat yourself up. You know you missed the deal. Yeah. Um, they said no. You loser. Right. That is not going to help. It's like okay, what could have I learned there? Oh. That to me is really the key because it's your automatic reaction. So we do, you probably, you guys do it too. You're big enough now to do first aid training, right? You've got to do first aid training. I've done first aid training, I've done it a couple of times and got my certificate. If something was going on and I've been in a situation where something was going on, I couldn't remember what they had trained me in. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, and thankfully a doctor was coming past when the situation occurred, who knew exactly what to do. And, yeah. and I'm standing there going, Oh yeah, that's what you like. That's, that's, 
in sales or in business or in life, you've just got to start to continue to accumulate all these automatic reactions because that's all you really got in the moment. Yep. You might be in a difficult conversation with someone or you're, you're, you've, you've been given an opportunity and you need to think on your feet. It's, it's kind of like that. that's one of the most important things I can encourage and give people insight to, to uh, continue to, to search for and yearn for that, that learning. Makes sense. Makes sense. Beautiful. Let's You're go. Let's give me more. Give me more. Yeah, give I will. More. I will. Um, you know, especially the what you mentioned is stand out for to me is the working on a business and on the side you were doing it because we don't realize how much time we have. Like you were working in the evening from nine to two a.m. Obviously, you know, I you would have been watching TV or or doing something else. So I think that is a big big point. You know, how much we can how much time we have if you really stay focused on things you know and obviously then about intuition and the learning from an event is a, is a, a special learning i have a maybe i'm jumping a bit but i have this burning question i want to ask you is is about at what stage and how um you decide to go public um, you know on the um on the exchange and and uh, at what stage you think okay maybe this is the time now yeah great question so in 2016 we tried to go public we didn't go public until the end of 2020. And what happened in 2016, there were a few companies, e-commerce companies that had listed and we tried to list as well. The problem was, is that when we went to the market and to talk to the fund managers um, and go through the whole IPO process, which is very comprehensive, there's a lot of work to do, to do that. Yep. It was literally like going down to, um, Bondi Beach or Port Phillip Bay on a midwinter's day with a southerly coming in from the Antarctic and you're trying to sell ice creams because Temple and Webster uh -huh. is trading at 15 cents. They're now $12. A Kogan had flatlined and they, and they had, um, and they had, they had listed six months before and hadn't done, done so great. We had, um, we had surf stitch going off the market. There was a red bubble wasn't doing so great. And then the week that we were getting ready to try and get the price and, the, and do the final road shows, Amazon announced they were coming to Australia. And so no. all the fund managers said, well, they're going to annihilate you. So forget it. We're not interested. Yeah. So we went away from that and we had spent about $2 million, which we were supposed to do a capital raise to pay for the IPO. Um, we never kind of, this is one of the things that's important. If I say anything at all, if people are thinking about doing a capital raise, or an IPO or anything, make sure that, that you clearly identify how much it's going to cost you to do it and set that money aside. Because what we did is we used the money out of the proceeds of our business, like we would invest in automation or software or hire more people, which is how we grew our business by selling more books. We actually ended up not getting the money from the capital raise, which meant there was about $2 million that needed to be paid to lawyers and accountants and whatever else, which oh, we, wow. we didn't create. So one of the most important lessons. So then, then um, we just powered on and we ended up at the beginning of last year, we were about 150 million in revenue. And we were, I was able to, through a sequence of events and hiring a special, I hired a guy to, who was, came from the capital markets. One of the things I realized, this is, a, this is perhaps another interesting insight for everyone that's listening. I was really, I'll say pissed off, but it was really just kind of like, um, um, annoying that every annoyed time, by the every time we tried to um, raise capital or talk about capital, we never was getting anywhere, right? And and so I came to this conclusion, and, and of costing you more money, and of costing you money. <laughs> You're talking about raising a capital, but it's and of costing you money. That's right. I think so. So what happened was I, I realized that I wanted I needed someone from that part of the world, the capital markets, to be on the inside yeah. in our tent. Um, as a paid employee or as a contractor to help us get us ready. Like you were selling a house. So you, you, this is great. Yeah. So you bring in a great stylist and they, you know, like you see selling houses in Australia with Andrew oh, Winter yes. and Shana and, and Charlie, right? Like you'd watch those shows and you go, oh my God, that's, that's embarrassing or that's no wonder they're not selling. And then they come through and they do all their things. It was the same for me with regard to Booktopia. I wanted someone to come in and go, what's uh -huh. missing? Because they could see yeah. that's their business you know what and there were a few things missing we needed to have a certain we had to have a, a model which is a like a big spreadsheet model so an analyst or an investor group can look at it and then play around with all the numbers and we needed a bit more profit we, so we made a few little changes on expenses 
Um, and so and so we we got ready. And then at the beginning of last year, we did our first capital raise of eight million dollars. Once we had hit 150 million in revenue, and six weeks later, the pandemic hit and everything went into lockdown. And the guy that invested the money, I never forget the day when I caught up with him. Like, and his face was just really grave. Like, what the hell have I done? You know, I've just put eight million dollars in this company, and the world is going, you know, to to la la land. And so, thankfully for him, and and he's very happy. Um, it was one of the best investments that he made. So, so what the year was going on, the business was growing. And what I noticed was that not just through pure play retailers like Booktopia, but um, even just general retail, everyone was focusing on, on e-commerce. And, and so it was kind of like we had moved from the, the wings to center stage with the theater all darkened and, and the spotlight on e-commerce. That's how it felt um, through the middle of last year. And that's when I had said to um, to um, our chairman um, that I, and the investor, I, I said, I think we probably, I think we should try and have a go for the IPO. And because we had already done, tried to do one five years before, four years before, we yeah. had a lot of the documentation and things ready to go. So we did an 11 week sprint IPO. Nice. And this time it was like going down to Bondi Beach or Port Phillip Bay on a, on a 42 degree day to sell ice creams. Oh, yes. ice creams and the queue was 400 meters long we were completely oversubscribed yeah. so it was really understanding the temperament and the best thing i can do to help describe that for you now i'm not a surfer um but i, I can understand you know like if i was if i went i've never been on a surfboard actually but if i went on a surfboard and i went outside paddled outside the waves and i'm sitting there and i look out to the horizon they all look like little humps to me like yep. don't don't ask me one hump over the other but for a surfer they can quite a way off. They can see the wave and they know which wave to catch because it's going to build in a certain way. And then they ride it and they, they get all the 10 points and whatever they do. Like that to me is the same in business. So it's being able to pick the wave and you know where you can ride it and you ride it all the way into the shore. So in our own worlds, whatever we do, real estate or e-commerce or doesn't matter, whatever you're doing, you've got to you got to feel, you got to get a feel for where all that societal shift is happening. It could be that in real estate, someone goes actually with the, um, you know, with working from home, forget about studios and one bedders. It's two beds and up now. Don't yep. even bother focusing on one beds because nobody, people, it's too small for the the future of of um, the working or you know people in in cities and and so then it just changes everything. And someone who picks up on that goes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about um, one betters. I'm going to focus on four betters instead of three betters, for example. And that's, that's um, one of the uh, most uh, important lessons that I've kind of uncovered. Beautiful, beautiful. Now there's a lot of learning in now uh, into that. And obviously this is a very complex matter um, and, um, and, and there's a lot to, lot into it and i'm and i just by you talking um i am a bit of um, um you know um never thought about it but this is something we might explore in the future and what is um you know more like what are you focusing on now obviously the pandemic have a certain effect on the business and especially like yours which is um, uh, e-commerce and online based what are the some of the key things you're focusing to grow it even further and what, where, where yeah. you where from here to like what's your next thing? yeah and and just i'm mindful now um, yeah, with the time. Like, That's why it was the last kind of a question. Yeah, yeah, because I've got another meeting to jump into. Um, for us, what's happened is is we've gone from being a retailer um, to being a, we're a retailer, but also we're now a distributor. So now um, publishers are appointing uh, Booktopia Publisher Services, our distribution business, to be their ANZ publisher. So our margin, we go deeper into the margin. So so um, we sell to ourselves, we sell to Amazon and Dimix and you know everybody, right? And so. So, um, so that's, that's a, and then we became a publisher um, a couple of years ago as well, two or three years ago. So deeper and deeper. And the more that I, the more that I go into the book industry beyond retailing, massive opportunity in the supply chain and the logistics. It's embarrassing how many movements, people shipping books from here to here or from one country to the other country is just so much wasted. The, 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 um, the social impact, the, um, the global, you know, the carbon footprint about some of the things that go on it's it, it needs to be addressed and so for me over the next five to ten years is definitely addressing that uh, personally i'm very horizon point driven so 220 million revenue for fy21 my goal is to get to 300 million we may not do it in fy22 but 
even if it's FY22 plus three months, it doesn't bother me because uh, my my horizon point is 500 million in Australia and then um, another 500 million offshore to make it a billion in revenue. So, so um, that's that's part of the, the growth. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And that that's something which obviously when we talk about like having a higher goal and uh, achieving the smaller day-to-day -day challenge sort of disappear. Like they, they, they not bother you that much because you, as you said, like if you not achieve it in that financial year, maybe it's took two more months, but you will get there eventually. Yeah, that's right. Just yeah. because the financial years are segmented by June 30th doesn't mean your business um, and your customers and the longevity. It's like, just because that, that's the way they carve it up doesn't mean anything. It's like, so what if you're three months, four months, a year late, who cares? You grew yeah. by another 30%, terrific. And that's yeah. the key. Look, Sunil, so great to have some time with you and congrats on the book from the ground up, Seven Principles for Building a Business Fast and congrats on Reliance Real Estate and your fast growing business and your success in Australia. It's been lovely chatting with you and we wish you all the success. Thank you very much, Tony. and look forward to see you again soon. Thank you, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.